Welcome to another dynamic word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Are you ready for the word this morning? We'll be going to the book of Genesis. We'll be going in a moment. Uh, um, I'll, I'll give you the chapter, but let me lead up to it by telling you that in Genesis chapter 1, we are given an account of the creation of the world and how God made Adam in his own image. And then in Genesis 2, Genesis 2 talks about the paradise that God made for man talks about the Garden of Eden that God planted, into which he put the man. He put Adam, and Adam was a lonely man in a paradise created for him by God. Knowing that it was not good that man should live alone, Genesis 2 tells us that God fashioned a woman. He fashioned Eve from the rib of Adam. And after Adam's deep sleep, when he awoke, God brought Adam, Eve, and said, This is your wife. You too shall become one flesh, and you shall accomplish my goal, my plan, my purpose in the earth. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish, subdue, and have dominion over everything I have created. Genesis 3 reveals that there was a subtle, tricky, sneaky snake, we call him. There was this serpent in the garden, Genesis 3 tells us, who came and we read the account how that he deceived Eve into believing that she was discontent with the life God had given her. He deceived and tricked her to believe that God did not care about her, that she could do better on her own, that she, did need not, she need not obey God and his limitations of life. She was living in a paradise, yet the devil convinced her that she was discontent with her life. Eve disobeyed the single commandment of God, and in her disobedience, she also influenced her husband to eat of the forbidden fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And there, Adam and Eve were born again. They were born again from life unto death. They were the first people to experience sin. They were born again from children of God. To the children of this world, they were born again from saints to sinners. They were born again from being immortal creations of God to becoming mortal man. They were born again from life to death, separated from God, destined to die, merely mortal souls. God forgave them and temporarily covered their sin. 
by the shedding of the blood of an animal whose skins he used to cover them. And they had to live a hidden life, hidden from one another, shamefully driven from the Garden of Eden. They were filled with shame. Adam and Eve lived by the sweat of their labor. excommunicated from this paradise of God. They were living in pain and hardship under the curses of mortal man, exposed to the deceptions of this world. Their only hope was that one day there would come a seed of the woman which was promised by God. A seed of the woman that would crush the head of the enemy, of this sneaky snake, of this serpent, of the devil, and would destroy his power that he held over them and would destroy death and would deliver them from the pains of mortality. That once again, they could enter the paradise of God. That once again, they would be able to know life and life more abundantly. That they would be invited into the presence of God. That once again, because of the promise of God, that a seed of Eve would be born that would crush the serpent and deliver them from death. What a promise! To be delivered one day from the curse of sin. Then in Genesis 4, where we will turn, Adam and Eve began their new life in the world. It's a picture of mankind living in a world outside of the paradise of God as mere mortals looking and hoping for the promise of God destined to die adam and eve began their new life in genesis 4 and two sons were born to them the firstborn is named cain and the younger was named abel adam and eve must have taught their sons how to pray because in the account that follows in genesis 4 we see them talking to god Adam and Eve must have told them the importance of praying when you live in a world, when you are yet lost, whenever you are temporarily covered from sin, whenever you are open to the deceptions, exposed to the elements of this world and open to the deceptions of the devil and hidden even from one another, how we could hide ourselves even from our spouses. Adam and Eve must have taught them also how to worship. We don't have a written account, but we see the results where they worshiped God by bringing Him an offering. They must have taught their sons, Cain and Abel, the importance of, of bringing your offerings, of, of, of offering yourself and your best to God. Because living in this mortal life and living in this world 
exposed to all the disappointments and the problems and living by the sweat of our brow and in subject to pain and, 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 and problems. Adam and Eve must have taught their sons the importance of bringing an acceptable sacrifice to Jehovah, the Creator, the Sustainer. Cain was a tiller of the ground, the Bible tells us, and Abel was a shepherd. There must have been so much hope in Adam and Eve. You see, because at this time, Adam was 130 years old, close to it. And we find that their only hope being kicked out of the garden, being removed from the garden, and, and, and you know, an angel with flaming swords guarding the way to the tree of life. They, they could not get back in. They, they could not, you know, there was no way. Their only hope was a son. They had two. Wow. There must have been so much hope seeing their sons grow and seeing that their sons talked to God and seeing that their sons worshiped and seeing that their sons brought offerings and gifts to the Lord. There must have been so much hope that, you know, one of these will crush our enemies. Genesis 4, verse 3. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Verse 6. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, you, you know, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at your door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Verse 8. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. We could dissect this passage all day long. We could, uh, we could look and, and, and at all the many types and reasons why Cain murdered Abel, most of which would be accurate. Uh, 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 however, to, to keep from focusing on just this, you know, action. Suffice it to say that, let's just say that Cain was born of the flesh. You see, he was born after the sin of Adam and Eve. He was born a mortal soul, and he had fleshly appetites and fleshly desires, and, and he was not submitted to God. Let's just suffice it to say that he was living in the flesh and not submitted to God. He was filled with jealousy. He was filled with greed. Perhaps uh, he, he had a touch of the I don't cares. You know, you ever meet somebody that had a touch of I really don't care. I don't care what it costs me. 
I don't care what it costs you. You know, I don't care about you. I don't care about others. I only care about myself, you know. Maybe he had that attitude. Certainly, he did not feel remorse for having killed his brother. He felt justified. There's no indication here that he repents of anything or that he, you know, uh, says, I'm sorry, or that he even understands what he has done. And, 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 and you know, uh, he had anger issues, by the way. You ever meet someone with anger issues? He had anger issues. He felt Abel had, Abel had it coming to him because Abel was all superior. God liked him more. Do you know how, how it is whenever you think, you know, daddy loves one kid more than the other one, mama loves one kid more than the other one? We see that with Jacob later on because he loved Joseph so much, all the other brothers hated him. It's a picture. Even here, Abel being, you know, blessed by God, Cain hated him. I don't... He's, he's the favored one. You know, anytime God favors someone, it seems like the whole world hates them. Anytime God chooses someone like Israel, the whole world hates them. How many times have the Israelites been in jeopardy of being exterminated or, or, or even a world movement, more than one, trying to get rid of them and absolutely wipe them off the face of the earth? It's happening today. And a lot of nations are joining that. And, and there were 300,000 people in London yesterday walking through the streets crying out from the river to the sea. What, that is an extermination of the nation of Israel. One Jewish nation surrounded by like 42 Arab, 25 Islamic nations. One small piece of ground. Hated. It seems, and this is not a political statement, the Bible says that the wicked hate the righteous and they seek his blood. Abel did not deserve that, but Cain felt justified. Maybe Cain had some daddy issues. Maybe he didn't like the fact that daddy didn't Treat him like he treated Abel. Maybe he didn't realize he didn't treat daddy like Abel treated daddy. It seems Cain was also a liar. Hello. People who hate, they're liars. They lie to themselves first. Then they lie to God. You know, when God came looking for Abel, where is he? <laughs> Cain said, I don't know. Lied to God. Lied about something so important. You know, Cain was prone to depression as well. His countenance had fallen. Maybe he was a bit spoiled. Maybe he was impulse driven. You know, but, but definitely, let's just suffice it to say that, that, that Cain cared more about himself than he cared about 
God or others or the plan of God for others. We don't want to overanalyze Cain, but whatever it was, God knew Cain better than Cain knew himself. And better than Cain was willing to admit. And God punished Cain. Yet Cain did not repent. You know, correction from a father, the Bible says, is the ordinate amount of pressure, chastisement, in an attempt to get the child to change, to recognize their wrong, and to repent of their sin. Cain did not. Verse 16 of Genesis 4. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. The word Nod, the land of Nod, literally here, he went out from the presence. He was already in the world. But do you know God was with him in the world? You know, he was, he was a part of a family that worshipped God, a part of a family that brought offerings to God, a part of a family that knew God and prayed, and, and he had been exposed and he had been taught. It, 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 it wasn't enough that he was outside of the, of, of the paradise of God, but God even removed him from his presence. God was with the family in the world, but now Cain is made to leave into the land of Nod. It's a land, the word means to wander. To journey through this world without God. To journey through this world without, without the plan of God in your life. To journey through this world without the purpose of God. To reject the plan of God, reject the purpose of God, and to not acknowledge the presence of God. To be pushed outside of the place to where you can even be convicted of your sin. The New Testament calls it a reprobate mind. To have so pushed against God for so long by your own selfish intent that you're in a place where you cannot even feel his conviction, where you can be wrong and believe you're right, where you think sweet is no longer sweet, it's bitter, and that bitter is sweet, and that good is bad, and bad is good, the light is darkness, and darkness is light. It's a completely upside-down world that you believe, that you live in because of your rejection of God. A vagabond the Bible will later say that he is journeying through this earth without God. Now, our focus today is not on Cain. Our focus today is not on Abel. Our focus today begins with Adam and Eve. The Bible doesn't give us the details of the emotional strain they must have encountered. Think with me. Go with me. Make a mental journey with me to that moment whenever Abel had been murdered and Cain had been pushed, had left the presence of God, the plan of God, the purpose of God for his life. You see, he was the firstborn. 
Can you imagine the emotional strain? Can you imagine the brokenheartedness of Adam and Eve? You see, they understood what it cost to disobey God, and now, oh my goodness, the fear, the worry, the pain, the loss, the stress on Adam and Eve, the stress they experienced from the loss of their two sons. They lost one son to sin, and the other had died. What about the promise of God? You see, in the garden, when God came to walk in the coolness of the evening, God said, Adam, where are you? I hid myself from you because I was naked. Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree? It was the woman. The woman said it was the serpent. Everyone implicated fell under the curse. It was the woman you gave me. <laughs> it's really your fault. Somewhere between you and her. I was doing good. God said, Adam, because of your sin, you're going to have to work by the sweat of your brow. You're going to have to leave the paradise and live in the world. I'll be with you. I'll cover you. Temporarily, I'll take care of your sin with the blood of bulls and goats, but you're dead. And the only life that you can have is coming through the seed of the woman who will, under this curse, her will multiply her, her, her conceptions and her pain. She barren in childbirth. And to the serpent, you'll grow on your, go on your belly all of your life. Dust of the ground shall you eat. You shall never return again to be a being, uh, the prophets said later. And one day, the seed of the woman is going to bruise your head. You'll bruise his heel. He will crush your head. Their only hope. Now gone. Firstborn and the one who pleased God. One dead, one abandoned the plan, abandoned the purpose, and was outside of the presence of God, unable to be reached by the conviction of God. Where do we go from here? What about the promise of Messiah? What about a promise that you were going to help us? This is what the 11 disciples felt in that upper room. What about the promise of Messiah? We gave everything. We, we, we risk it all. Adam and Eve, we have been living. We taught our children to pray. We taught them how to worship. We taught them how to bring you offerings and respect you. And now, what about the seed of this woman? Where is our hope? Well, good news. God always has a plan. In Genesis 4, verse 25, reading, it says, And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and named him Seth. For God has appointed another seed. <laughs> Woo! Thank God. 
that even when I'm living in the world and even when I encounter disappointment and even when I think that all hope is lost and, and even when I don't know how I'm going to make it or how I will be delivered from this mortal death, from this mortal prison, how shall I be delivered again? God appointed another seed for me instead of Abel whom Cain killed. Another seed. Genesis 5-3 is where it tells us that Abraham was 130 years old at this point. Wow. I hope we aren't the ones making God and everybody else wait another generation to see the salvation of the Lord. Seth was a man, the Bible says in Genesis 5-3. He was a man like his daddy. He was a man that knew God. Oh, this was the hope. You see, because the only hope of Messiah, the only hope that God was actually going to bruise the devil's head and take from him the keys of death and hell and set our mortal souls free through a born-again experience, our sins paid for once and for all, not temporarily by the blood of bulls and goats and the coverings of skin, but rather by the blood of a perfect sacrifice, the Son of Almighty God, covering us with a garment of salvation and putting on us a robe of righteousness. The only hope was that God would appoint another seed. And he did. Seth. God had a plan and no sneaky snake was going to derail this plan. Seth means appointed. It means to be put in place. Something was missing, and it's, this is put in place, appointed. You know, cut to a little application here. You may not be the first person that God called to do what he's calling you to do. You may not be the first person that God is asking to do or to be a witness, or to share love, care, to, uh, to meet a need. You may not be the first person that God has called to meet that need that he's called you to meet. But you may be the one who is appointed today. You see, Jesus had this same experience when he walked on the road headed toward Calvary. He met a young rich ruler and he asked the young rich ruler, sell, sell what you have and, and meet the needs of the poor here in the Jericho community. The young rich ruler said no. Jesus walked a little farther, entering into Jericho. There he found a man named Zacchaeus, who was a notorious sinner, in a tree. And, and God called him, and Jesus got the same thing from him. And Zacchaeus obeyed the Holy Spirit. And there he met the needs of the poor in the city of Jericho. God was looking for someone that day to meet those needs. And Zacchaeus was not the first one he asked. He just appointed someone else when the young retruder said no. Someone may have said no to reaching your neighbor. Someone may have said no to meeting a need. 
Someone may have said no to some hungry people in our community. God might be asking you. Someone may have said no to reaching out to children. Here in the Golden Triangle. But God has asked us. I don't expect that I am the first person that God has asked. But when he asked us to open up our church for Christmas Fest, we said yes. We knew that it would cost a lot. We knew that, 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 we, we wanted, that God wanted to be best represented with free food and free toys and, 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 and a witness of Christ and leading children to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We knew that if they would step onto this property, they would feel the presence of our Lord and Savior, and that we would see families saved. We would see people come to Christ. We said yes. God asked us to do something in India. And God asked us to help some college students, our seminary students, 106 of them, to go home for Christmas to see their family. Some of them haven't seen their family in a year. He asked us to do it. We said yes. You know, it was just $10 a piece. How could we say no? You know, God... Uh, God asked us to help in Gioto. We are not the first people who he asked to help. We, you know, I, I was there just a few days ago. I met with government officials. You know, there have been other people there who ended up taking advantage and ended up having to be closed down by the government because they were feathering their own nest and, and stealing money and taking things that was meant for the children and, and were not doing the job that they promised to do. We were not the first one, but when God asked us, we raised up a school last year. We're expanding the school this year. We're, we're going to continue with these children for as long as the Lord allows and enables us to do so. And it's just a small thing. We can do it so easily, step by step. We've been appointed. We've been put into place. You know, it's, we could go on and on. But in reality, God has asked us to reach our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We will not say no. We will not say it's too hard. We have been taught. We're living in a world. We have been taught to pray. We've been taught to worship. We've been taught to bring our acceptable offerings to the Lord so that those living in this world who are lost can yet know Jesus Christ. Every day we feed people, we give water to drink. Every day we meet needs in education and clothing and medical needs. Every day in our community and around the world because God has asked us. He's appointed us. You know, maybe the other people, maybe they didn't. But I don't want him to have to ask someone else because we don't. In Genesis Four, verse 26 the next verse says this as for Seth you remember Seth had been appointed Seth was the seed of the woman through whom Christ would come so Seth had a responsibility 
The responsibility that came upon Seth was to raise a next generation. To keep the seed alive. So, as for Seth, to him also a son was born, and he named him Enosh. And guess what? There were two groups of people in the earth from then on. This is where the two groups of people are in the world today. The descendants of Cain were basically reprobate. They were lost. They were without the plan, the purpose, without the knowledge, without embracing the plan, without embracing the purpose, and outside of the presence of God that the Holy Spirit could just come and convict and say, love your brother, love your enemies, love those that persecute you and despitefully use you. Love, not hate. Peace, not war. Feed your enemies. Meet their needs. Here, these two groups of people. As for Seth, to him also a son was born, and he named him Enosh. It was at that time that men began to call on the name of the Lord. It was on at that time, what this literally means as studiously interpreted, that people, Seth, Enosh, his lineage, began to be known as the people who called upon the name of the Lord. They began to be recognized as people who trusted God. They began to be recognized different from other people, different from the others, because we call upon God. We began to realize that we need God. We have been appointed. We have been put in place. And we call upon the name of Jehovah Almighty, for the promise of God will yet come. And it will come through those who call upon the name of the Lord. And God preserved a lineage. You can read about it in the Word of God, how that God preserved a lineage through Seth, all the way down to Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Man, the seed of woman who crushed the head of our enemies, who delivered our souls from the bondage of sin, and who will once again bring us into paradise, created by the hand of God for us. This will happen. Genesis teaches us that there are only two descendants of Adam and Eve living on the earth. One group, those who are living in sin without God. And the second group, those who call upon the name of the Lord. But thanks be to God, the merciful God, who prophesied through Joel, and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
Joel said, listen, it's really going to happen, okay? We're getting closer. It's really going to happen. There's coming a day that those who call, whoever calls, anyone who calls, even those who are living in the world who do not recognize the plan, who do not know the purpose of God for their life, and who are without the conviction of the Holy Spirit in their life, who have said no to God, if they will turn and call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. Not only that, but on the day that Peter and the disciples were being questioned as to what was happening in the streets of Jerusalem, Acts 2, 21, Peter, he reminds the people, what Joel said, it shall come to pass, he said, that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then the Apostle Paul writes to us in Romans 10, 13, to include everyone on planet earth, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Today you are either journeying through life without God, or else you have been born again. Either you are calling upon the name of the Lord, you are one of those who is calling upon the name of the Lord in this world, in this cruel and wicked world, as Jesus called it a wicked generation. In this dark generation, you are either calling upon the Lord or you're walking without God. Will you call upon Him right now? Will you call upon the Lord? Will you call upon Him to save your soul, to cleanse you from sin, to forgive you, and to open paradise for you again? Your mortal soul is in danger. It's in danger of being in the land of Nod. Your mortal soul is in danger of leaving this world and living forever outside of the plan, the purpose, and the presence of God. Call upon Him. Call upon Him while you can. Call upon the name of the Lord to save your soul, to save your neighbors, and realize you might be the one appointed to invite them to the house of God, to hear the word that will convict their souls to bring them back into the paradise that God had intended for them. You know, God needs you. I believe that if Cain would have repented at that moment, God would have forgiven him. I believe that if anyone today repents, God will save their soul. Anyone, God would save their soul, forgive their sins. And welcome them into heaven. Even if they were a thief dying on a cross with their last breath. Today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus wants to be your Savior. But he also wants to be your Lord. Would you bow your head and close your eyes and consider. Are you one who calls upon the Lord? Or are you living without God? Are you aware of the plan and the purpose of God? Do you walk in His presence? Do you know that God is calling you to do something that someone else said no to? 
Do you know that he wants you to be the last person he has to ask? Will you call upon him? Will you ask him to show you what it is he wants you to do? Will you say yes? Pray with me right now. Right now, pray with me. Father, just simply pray. Just say, Father, here I am. I call upon you, God. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse my heart and my mind. Lord, I receive Jesus. I repent, Lord, and turn my life to you. Jesus, come into my heart. Save my soul. Forgive my sins. Cleanse me and take me to heaven, the paradise of God, when I die. Right now, I ask you, God, as I call upon you, show me what you want me to do. Today, give me an appointment. Put me in place. I'll not say no. My light will shine for you. I will do my best to walk in your truth. Teach me. Lead me. More than just becoming my Savior, be my Lord. I ask you, Jesus, be my Lord. Save my soul and be my master. I give my life to you. O King of kings and Lord of lords, use me as you will. In Jesus' name we pray, God. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for another dynamic message from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.